You're listening to the Christian Post Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Showalter. For many Christians in the West, all things charismatic seem rather spooky and weird. While Pentecostalism has spread rapidly around the world and the charismatic renewal has touched many Christian denominations, some faithful believers continue to have qualms about phenomena that are supposedly of the Holy Spirit but do not dovetail with their understanding of Scripture. And the hesitation and confusion is more than understandable. Today we are continuing our podcast series on the Holy Spirit, and for part two, we're going to engage the elephant in the room, abuse of the supernatural. And indeed, one doesn't have to look very far to find this. Turn on any television set and watch as preachers with bad hair and questionable doctrine manipulate people into a frenzy as they claim to be flowing with the Holy Ghost. Joining me to address this legitimate concern and more is Jennifer Evaz, one of the executive pastors at Harvest Church in Turlock, California. Jennifer is a seasoned intercessor who is passionate about equipping people to minister in the prophetic, and she's also the author of Seeing the Supernatural, How to Sense, Discern, and Battle in the Spiritual Realm. Her latest book is called Glory Carriers, How to Host His Presence Every Day. Most importantly, however, Jennifer has a great grasp on God's Word. Jennifer Evaz, welcome to the CP Podcast. I'm so glad to be on here. This is awesome. Well, I am so glad to feature your voice here in this series, this three-part series on the Holy Spirit, um, because I think yours is such an important one. And for our listeners, I just want you all to know I've spoken with Jennifer a number of times as we've explored some of these topics, and I think she's just got such a great fix on this. So you're in for a treat today. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, Jennifer, the Holy Spirit, uh, I think, especially in the West, there's a great misunderstanding about who He is, and particularly when it comes to uh, what some people call the excesses of charismania. A lot of people are still, and understandably so, kind of stuck in a mindset where they maybe see, you know, televangelists doing really silly things saying that they're under the unction of the Holy Spirit when really it's not. Um, and so there's just so much misunderstanding and aversion to the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's let's start off here by, if, if you would, talk about where do you think um, many people who are you know, fully believing in the continuation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, charismatics, Pentecostals, whatever you want to call them, where have they gone wrong? We'll just start it off that way. Well, you know, there's this tension between God being who he is, and he is supernatural. I mean, he's supernatural through and through. And then, you know, us actually allowing him to be everything that he is, but at the same time, our flesh not getting in the way of who he is. So there's a real tension because you look in the New Testament and you look at some of the miracles that Jesus did. I mean, he, he's, he, you know, put mud in a guy's eye. I mean, just, right. you know, I mean, that was not an know, ancient Near Eastern cultural practice. No, no. I mean, it, and there's all sorts of crazy miracles like that all throughout the Bible that in our rationale and our logic, it, it just completely blows us away. And, you know, we would want to reject that. But here's the thing, they got results. Mm. And and that's, that's the issue is like when there's a, a weirdness and a strangeness and, uh, you know, attached to some so called 
miracle or unction or, you know, being led by the spirit, but you don't see the impact. I think that's where we're, we're struggling and we're, uh, uh, you know, making, making these uh, judgments that, you know, and, and, and pushing the Holy Spirit aside, you know, because people have misrepresented him. And so I think we need to start getting honest uh, with our mistakes. I think we need to own it when we, when we, you know, our flesh actually got in the way there. Cause, because if God is leading you a certain way, you're, there's going to be an impact. There's going to be a felt impact. You're going to see it. And, um, you know, that's when you say, okay, that is God. And so that's where I, I think we need to really work on better <laughs> is, is owning it and maturing and, and really truly flowing with the Holy Spirit where there are visible results. Well, and that I, I think that's so brilliant, and it, it's it echoes something that we've previously discussed. Uh, for our listeners here, I want to say I Jennifer was one of the people that I interviewed uh, for a feature story I wrote some time ago, exploring this division within the body of Christ, uh, particularly in North America. And one of the things you told me then that it's just sort of what you were just saying just now is that. Um, you referenced the Azusa Street Revival in 1906, where you said, and I quote, this is from my article, there have always been excesses with every movement of the Spirit. Um, and in Azusa Street, uh, you were talking about how prophecy was notoriously abused. But then you said, but we have to have a lot of humility. We have to be willing to say we're sorry, uh, unquote. Uh, and you're talking about when people have been wounded by those excesses. Have you ever had to do that? And what has that looked like uh, in your life or in the life of your church or people that you know where they were they got off track with something and they had to say they're sorry and how have you seen that be effective for people who um are maybe averse to this kind of more supernatural expression of the faith right well i was just thinking through this the other day and i was thinking about uh you know when it comes to the the gift of prophecy you know now that we have so much prophetic uh, voices out there and, and people who are, I mean, there's conferences to, to equip you and activate you in the prophetic. And, and I was thinking about one of the guidelines that is told to pretty much everybody that you're not supposed to prophesy pregnancies, you know, mm -hmm. don't, don't right. prophesy somebody's pregnancy. And the reason is because so many people have gotten it wrong. And, and I was kind of thinking through that. I'm like, well, at what point do we stop the voice of God from really speaking into somebody's situation? Because we have so many people got it wrong. And, and so, you know, and I was thinking of somebody uh, actually on our team that has had received uh, that kind of word and was given a time frame and she did not get pregnant and it really hurt her. Yes. But then I was, th I, I was thinking of another person on our ministry team who actually got the word right with somebody uh, at, at her. Um, it was at her hair hairdresser. It was her hairdresser. And she actually knew at that moment by the Holy Spirit that she was pregnant. And the hairdresser had been trying to get pregnant for five years and didn't know she was pregnant. But this person in our church knew and, and actually told her so. It, but it was confirmed. And it was a great joy and a great testimony. So, you know, it's it's those things where, where you know, this teammate that, that received the false word, she never got an apology. Mm. Um, nobody owned it. And that was that was devastating. And I, I'm just kind of saying, you know, we, we can't shut off God's voice because people are, are making all these mistakes. But at the same time, we've got to have a high degree of ownership, a high degree of uh, humility if we're actually going to move forward. I, I think sometimes God just doesn't trust us with his voice because we don't have the humility to carry it. That's a good word right there. Explain then, I mean, because when someone issues, uh, if you if you believe in the gift of the, if you believe in the prophetic and learning to minister into the prophetic, 
Right. Give some counsel to churches who they believe in the continuation of the gifts, but they've seen it poorly handled. They've seen people not own their mistakes, and yet they still they want to learn. And so they yeah. would then you would then have to say, well, if if this is really real, we're going to have to create an ecosystem where we can learn and be trained and be willing to own our mistakes. Mm-hmm. How have you uh, set that up at Harvest Church? I think we have a good system. It's not it's not perfect, but we have the teaching and we have the equipping and the training. As a matter of fact, right now I'm doing a beginning class on Wednesday nights for about eight weeks, and it's understood. You're going to make mistakes. Uh, you know, it's it's understood. You're going to step out on what you think God is saying to you, and you're gonna you're gonna blow it. But the whole point of the the training is that you can get feedback on the spot that you didn't you didn't hear God there. And how else are you going to know? unless you actually make a mistake, you know, when you're get when you're not hearing God and when you are. And so it's, it's very much culture setting. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it needs to be something that the leadership uh, establishes protocol and, and culture and teaching and training, what they accept, what they don't accept. And that might actually be different from church to church, depending on the need. And I, I fully understand that because some, some areas, some cities, um, you know, depending on the culture of the city, you're going to have to make some adjustments on how the prophetic is communicated so that you can bridge rather than uh, completely offend and, and, and you know, um, make it so impalatable that people just can't, can't go there. So, so it's going to be a, a leadership um, communication, a leadership uh, protocol. Leadership's going to have to really set, set the pace for that in each and every church, and it'll vary. Well, I, I think it really it is upon the leaders to uh, build those healthy structures. Um, yeah. Because if it, just like you would would want to teach theology and scripture and like like anything else within the church, there's there's got to be a healthy structure where that is communicated. And people need the space to learn and grow. And I mean, goodness, haven't we all misinterpreted scripture at one point? I mean, how, we're right. we're all pilgrims on a journey. Uh, one <laughs> of the things that I think is there's a gap in certainly there has been in my own thinking and uh, but in the, in the minds of many people, if if they don't see some if they have a strange experience that might be from the Holy Spirit but they just don't know what to do with it, um, it's important to test spiritual experiences against the witness of Scripture because that's got to be our plumb line. And yet some people just uh, some things are just so bizarre. If you have a, I mean I've I've, I've talked to people who. They really think God is speaking to them because they had a dream where they woke up in the middle of the night and it just rattled them to their core. And it wasn't just because they ate bad pizza or lentils the <laughs> night before. They, But they really think that they're hearing the voice of the Lord, that the Holy Spirit is actually actively trying to communicate something, but they just don't know what to do with it. And so do they go to the Word of God because they want to measure it, and yet they still seem stuck. Can you give some counsel as to how people can test what they experience, or if they think they're hearing God, and it's uh, it seems to be in keeping with Scripture, how can they test these things um, against the text? Because I know that you believe that that's got to be right. our standard. Okay, so hypothetically, and this is a typical scenario, you have a dream that that uh, you die or your loved one dies, and it's you know devastating. And then the dream's so real, 
you know, you, you actually think it's, it's, you know, God and it's going to, it's going to happen, but we have to go back to the word that says that, you know, uh, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy and that Jesus has come to give us abundant life. And so, you know, right there is my first, like, okay, there's a, you know, that's my first check. Now, now the source of the dream, it could be a warning dream from God, but when God warns you, it's so you can avert it. It's so you can pray into it. It's so you can raise the hedge of prayer. Um, you know, and that's like, I would say 99% of the time is what that is for. Uh, and then, you know, it might be the source, the source might be, uh, the demonic meaning that, that Satan is, is, um, making a threat or he's trying to just put you in fear or, or, you know, ruin your day (laughs) with, with a, a really bad dream. But at the end of the day, the word is what we go to. Um, it, you know, we, we know the outcome is that they are to have life and abundant life, whatever we dreamed about, whoever we dreamed about. And so that's what I'm going to come into agreement with. I'm going to I'm going to learn to bring my emotions into check. I'm going to bring this thing before the Lord until his shalom, his peace, you know, really uh, invades, you know, every part of my being. And when that happens, whatever it is I'm dealing with, I've moved through it. And, you know, and so so a lot of people, they don't quite know how to move through the emotional process of those rattling dreams, those rattling uh, voices that they they believe that they're hearing and they're wondering why they're hearing, you know, something uh, kind of scary or, you know, unsettling, uh, you know, go back to the word and then and then bring it to prayer until the shalom, the peace of God comes in, uh, into that situation. That, that means he's answered you. Yes, I, I, that's such great advice. Do you think, um, I mean, I, I mentioned this to a scholar the other day. I was interviewing for another article I was writing, and it, uh, I, I, it's, it's curious to me. It se- certainly seems, and I, again, I could be wrong on this, but that there are many Christians that tend to have more of a, a fear of the enemy's ability to deceive them then they do a confidence in the Holy Spirit's ability to lead them into all truth. And I don't say that in any kind of accusatory fashion, but I think, uh, do, do you, first of all, do you agree with that? And particularly uh, because if there's more truth to be discovered, if there are realms of glory to be accessed, if God is you know, speaking to us in real time, uh, one, it's never going to contradict his word, but it's sure. probably going to really mess with our heads and challenge us and challenge our pet doctrines and who, oh, who knows sure. what, like have, maybe give some uh, insight into that because I, I've met the most sincere Christians and they're just very wedded to a very particular interpretation of the word of God. And it comes from pure motives to know the truth and to hold fast to, uh, to, to orthodoxy. Yeah. Um, and yet, but then, but then God shows up in a way that they've never encountered him before. And it's, I don't know, give some thoughts on that. I have so many thoughts on that. I, I was just reading the other day, you know, when, when Jesus and Nicodemus, Nicodemus uh, were discussing, you know, the concept of born again, <laughs> and yeah. Nicodemus was like, like, what, you know, can't, you can't get back into your mother's womb. You know, he had a very natural, logical um, argument for what Jesus was saying. And it was, and the argument was over terminology and what terminology uh, meant in the natural, what it meant in the spiritual. Mm. And, you know, and, and the interpretation, the, the Bible interpretation that I, was, that I was reading, you know, Jesus is communicating to him, if, if I can't 
uh, if you can't even understand this, how can I unveil uh, anything uh, else? More, right. Yeah. Mm. Anything else to you? Any more heavenly realities to you? And so, so that's you know, so there's an unveiling that the the Lord wants to bring into all of our lives, which are, uh, you know keys and answers to prayer, you know, answers and solutions to, to city problems, national problems. You know, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, that, that come from the realm of the kingdom that we can't see yet. We can't grasp yet because we're having trouble with just, just the natural ordinary day-to-day stuff. Um, and so with that said, I have found that, that he will take scriptures that we all know, we all love, and then all of a sudden he'll breathe on it and it'll, it'll be, um, it'll have some, a, a new dimension of experience on it. I'll give you an example, uh, that, that verse in Peter, you know, where he says he'll give us joy unspeakable and full of glory, right? Mm-hmm. For most of us, we think, oh, that's just having a happy heart. Having, having a joyful heart, joy unspeakable, full of glory. But I have learned that there are dimensions of joy that are so supernatural that it takes on a whole new dimension. And, and the scripture is still true, but there's dimensionality to it. And you won't know it until he unveils the experience to you, until he encounters you with that dimension of his word that we didn't know existed. You know, there is a peace that passes all understanding. We understand that. But there is, there is a shalom that will literally stop a storm. Mm-hmm. You know, that is so powerful. It'll stop a storm. And until we encounter those dimensions of his word and of his 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 personality, we don't realize that there's depth uh, in the there's depths in the word that that we haven't experienced yet. And I think that's what he wants to unveil to us. I, I, I think that's just great. It's, it's like going from black and white into color into technicolor. I mean, right. it's just God continues to just reveal uh, his glory and. In new dimensions, and it it doesn't mean that the word of his word is contradicted. I, I think that's just so, uh, and it's a journey. I mean, I we'll, we're going to be theologians. Uh, we only see in part. We see through a glass darkly. This side of eternity, I mean, I, I think it's impossible to know God, you know, comprehensively. Uh, but we can know him accurately, and yet there's so much still to be discovered. Next question I have is. You know, to sort of circle back to what I was, you know, saying earlier about there is a, sort of a swath of the church, particularly I think in North America and in, you know, parts of Europe, where, I mean, let's face it, the Trinity is very mysterious. I mean, wrap your head around that one, really. Uh, when we think yeah. about like how God is one but three, and one these are the three. basic basic doctrines of our faith, and yet it's so much mystery in it. Um, do you think that U.S. Christians are? I mean, things have changed some over the years, obviously, but are seem to ignore or downplay the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit? And is it because we don't like uncertainty or not being in control or not being able to understand things fully? Uh, what do you say about that? Well, I've actually been, I, I just wrote a book that covered uh, that very thing that you're, you're asking right now, uh, Glory Carriers. And it's really a book that talks about the journey of friendship with the Holy Spirit and how you too can become a, a carrier of his glory as a result. So I bring everything back to relationship, but, but what I've discovered is a lot of, a lot of people don't know that you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're taught to have a relationship with God, the father. We're taught to have a relationship with, with Jesus. Right. Um, but it's like the Holy Spirit, he's, you know, he's not mentioned, you know, he's the third person of the Trinity, you know, but that doesn't Fully mean he's God. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's equal. And, and Jesus said, you know, I, 
you know, I'm, I'm going away, but I'm going to send another just like me. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit's the one we are dealing with on the earth. He birthed the church. He, you know, he's, he's the one uh, that lives inside of us, you know, for those of us who believe in Jesus. And, and so, you know, a lot of us don't realize that we can engage him. We can talk to the Holy Spirit. And I started this journey of asking the Holy Spirit to, to teach me how to be his friend. I just I wanted to be a friend of the Spirit of God. And uh, my my journey in that was pure. Um, I recognized that when it came to uh, praying for people where signs and, and, and miracles would follow. You know, I love to see people healed. I love to see people set free when they're demonized. And I was, I was running into a gap and the Bible says different. And I was running into a gap and I started noticing people of reputation, uh, when it, when it came to healing ministries and, and things like that, people of reputation had, had one common, uh, statement and they said, the Holy Spirit's my friend. So I knew that was the connection. So I went after the Holy Spirit in true, genuine friendship, uh, not knowing how to do that because we're not taught how to do that. And and he really uh, began to encounter me as a friend. But I discovered that he's so transformational uh, that you get in his presence on that level. You know, you can't you can't um, hold withhold your heart. You can't be superficial. And that's that's where we start to feel the lack of control. Because if you want friendship with the Holy Spirit, you no longer are in control of the relationship. Uh, you can't control the information. You can't hide your heart. You can't hide your struggles. And and he's after your heart. And he's really after transformation. And so there's a wrestling match that begins to come into your life that you thought you'd never, ever have to encounter with God. But but the thing is, it's, it's worth it in the end because not only is your friend holy and his holiness is, is truly getting on you uh, right. in, in real time. You know, I know positionally we're righteous, but in real time, he, I mean, he's really working that into you. But at the same time, his, his uh, supernatural gets on you as well. And that's when the signs and wonders come out of you without striving, mm-hmm. uh, without making it happen. And that's the difference. And we just haven't been taught. And at the same time, those that have the surrender part is something else. Uh, I think that's the that's the next struggle is really understanding that surrender. We've got to be fully yielded and surrendered to him for any of this to work. <laughs> right. How has the emphasis or the de-emphasis on the Holy Spirit changed throughout the generations? I think it's been this ebb and this flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just it's just the same deceptions that that come to each generation you know, to, to seize control, take control of the wheel, um, you know, uh, uh, monetize it, uh, you know, all the, the same deceptions just keep coming about. And I think we're, we're pretty cyclical, mm-hmm. but the Bible is true. It says we are going to go from glory to glory. And, you know, so, so that's something that I trust. And I, I believe that we, we are seeing miracles in this day and age. We didn't see them 100 years ago because we didn't need them 100 years ago. And so, mm. you, you know, some of the creative miracles that are happening now, we didn't need them 100 years ago because we didn't have we didn't even have that going on. Uh, you know, for example, I, I know a lady, for whatever reason, uh, the uh, the miracle that comes to her is if you have metal parts in your body, the Lord will turn the metal back into bone. Well, we, we didn't have metal parts and bodies 100 years ago. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's just things like that. So, so we're going from glory to glory. But somehow you know, God is able to adjust. No problem for him. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, that's the real challenge in this day and age is that is not putting limits on God because he really wants to do miracles. 
that we think that he he doesn't care about or that he would never get into, and he really does get into them. How are young believers today embracing or maybe not embracing the Holy Spirit? What are you seeing among I, the younger generation? Oh, they are so hungry. Mm. They are so hungry because they're so desperate. Mm. There is there is this desperation. Um, you know, at least where where I'm at, there is a desperation. Uh, because there, there's there's a hopelessness yeah. that, um, you know, I mean, when I grew up, it was difficult, you know, and, and all that. But it's just it's different nowadays. Uh, the, the You know, the tendency towards suicide and death and, right. and, and the drug cultures and the family breakdowns, it's on a whole new trajectory. But, you know, what I'm trusting is God's word again, that, you know, where where things are dark, you know, he will he will raise up a standard. Um, for that, uh, you know, and that's that's where we need the praying church to come in because that's the that's what fuels the power and the of the of the spirit in any community. Um, but but the young people they gravitate toward it, they love it. They don't have they don't have the barriers. Well, it certainly seems that, and I've seen survey uh, data to bear this out, that millennials are really uh, searching spiritually. There, there we we see we, we there's a lot of there's a lot there's been a lot of ink spilled about the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, those who have sort of abandoned sort of traditional religious yeah. contexts, but it doesn't mean they're not spiritually searching. And so I, I think I, I would resonate very much with your words there. Um, going forward, uh, again, just to sort of reiterate this, because I wanted to focus this conversation on how... Uh, you know, churches. I call myself an Anglicostal because I go to an Angli- Anglicostal. I go to an Anglican church, but I have some Pentecostalism in my background. I like, I like my form and liturgy, but I also love the Holy Spirit's power. What do you? I mean, do you think that God is refining the charismatic movement? I mean, you're on. You are you know, Pentecostal Christian. Um, it, we've seen some really bad misuses of the Holy Spirit. And I think it is, it's indeed, I can't underscore enough how grievous it is to to grieve the Holy Spirit and that the solution for abuse is not disuse, but proper use. There how you do go. you see, how do you see, well, how do you see that happening? Um, you know, again, just, you spoke earlier of owning it when we mess up. Uh, do you see that, do you see God refining uh, this movement of, the spirit that's happening globally, um, or, you know, if so, how, you know, there, there is always going to be the real, mm-hmm. and then there's always going to be the counterfeit. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's not so much that, that God is refining it to the place where, uh, you're never going to have a counterfeit. There's always going to be a counterfeit mm-hmm. that's going to be, you know, we're, we're given the choice, you know? right. uh, and, and, but what I do see is that it, that the dimension and the unveiling of heaven realities for the purpose of, of, you know, everything Jesus said he wants to do, you know, he wants to set the captives free. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. You know, he wants to, um, you know, he wants the gospel preached to the poor for all of those core purposes. There is, there is dimension, dimensionality that's going to be unveiled to be more effective. That's what I see. That's the glory to glory that, that he spoke of that, that will happen. So, so with that said, I just believe that there's going to be um, a a greater unveiling of God's power. Um, But there'll, there'll always be the counterfeit. There's, we're not going to get away from that. Well, I think that's important to point out that, uh, you know, that there will be always, I mean, the devil can only, 
twist and pervert what God made. And so he's not stopping yeah. in, in his efforts to deceive and manipulate and and lie. Uh, yeah. And so it's up yeah. to us to stay anchored in the Word of God and stay yielded yeah. to the Holy Spirit in order to be able to combat that effectively. Uh, right. Jennifer, I so appreciate your time today. This has been such an edifying conversation. Is there anything else you want to add about just... Uh, you know, how Christians have gotten the Holy Spirit wrong, but what we can do just on a, on a practical basis to help others get right. it. They're hung up, but they, they want to understand. They love the Lord. Anything sure. else that you want to say about this? What I've been challenging people is that that friendship with the Holy Spirit, you have to set aside, you know, the hangups. Um, you know, no matter where it came from, how it came, you've got to work that through with him and and really go after the holy spirit in a true genuine relationship you and him doesn't matter what your church said about it doesn't matter what what somebody did to counterfeit it it, it doesn't matter because this is about you and him and i encourage people to go after him and and see what happens as a result jennifer Eves, thank you for joining us today thank you